the key is that we use that influence in a way that uh, brings conservative results. And I think that's what we tried to do with this case, and we failed. This bill is a Democrat bill. It is a bill that not only avoided a default, but also locked in the progressive gains that the president made in the last two years. Yeah, you're right, Ken Buck. You're welcome, America. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in uh, Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing planet earth i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today well we are back Yes, we are back after a much-needed week off last week, uh, and as is the case these days, uh, well, it was a pretty slow news week last week, Desi Doyen. I don't think we missed much of anything, did we? What went <laughs> oh, on? Nothing. Just... This. Yeah. How, how are you? Rested? Yeah. You yeah, ready? But there was a lot that happened, yeah. oh, most re- certainly. What? Well, as you might uh, recall, before we left, we sort of left on a on a cliffhanger, really, at the end of the week, just before the Memorial Day holiday, when it looked like, well, would the uh, Republicans uh, launch the nation and planet into a global economic crisis or not? Well, now we know that answer. As a matter of fact, today would have been the X day, the day that the uh, U.S. ran out of uh, borrowing authority to borrow enough money to pay all of our bills. But thankfully, we have avoided that disaster. And uh, thankfully, we had Joe Biden who figured out how to do it. We'll get to some of that in a little bit. Uh, and I want to take your calls on that as well as at 818-985-5735. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff that happened while we were gone. Uh, for example, Texas's wildly, cartoonishly corrupt Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton is finally facing at least some music. He was charged years ago with securities fraud felonies more than five years ago. He's the top cop in Texas. 
and charged with securities fraud and has still not faced a trial on that. He's also being investigated by federal officials after uh, eight of his own top deputies filed a criminal complaint against him, charging bribery, abuse of office, and much more. And then Texas went ahead and reelected him again anyway. Well, His luck may have run out. He was impeached by the Republican Texas legislature on 20 counts. And until he has a a trial in the Texas Senate, he is uh, currently replaced by an appointee of Republican Governor Greg Abbott. I mean, do you have to uh, think about how bad you got to be in order for Texas Republicans to decide to impeach impeach a Texas Republican, yeah. the top law enforcement official. Just to give you an idea of the scale of uh, alleged wrongdoing. And that is, that is how bad uh, he is, how bad uh, uh, Ken Paxton is in Texas. In other accountability news, while we uh, tried uh, to remain off the grid, Republican activist and uh, pretend journalist James O'Keefe, who snookered the mainstream corporate media for years based on uh, essentially a phony claim that he had dressed up like a 70s era black exploitation pimp in order to trick the uh, community organizing and voter registration group known as ACORN into admitting to crimes. In fact, he hadn't. The tapes were deceptively edited. He was never dressed as a pimp. We had to make that clear at bradblog.com. We spent months and months doing so. We finally got the uh, New York Times to correct a whole bunch of their articles. In any event, that guy, that criminal, that con man was sued by his own organization, a group ironically named Project Veritas. Uh, He was sued for a whole bunch of abusive practices, misuse of funds, etc. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. There was and is, of course, also a passel of accountability news regarding even more pending criminal indictments for our former president, Donald J. Trump, which we may or may not uh, may not get to a little bit later in this show, depending on how many of you want to ring in on a separate topic that I've been chomping at the bit to discuss uh, for the past week regarding the GOP's ridiculous debt ceiling hostage taking effort over the past uh, several weeks and the deal that Joe Biden was able to secure to avoid it. My number, if you want to ring in, is 818-985-5735. You can also drop me email. I'll try to keep an eye on my email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog, if you'd like to uh, ring in uh, throughout the hour. But in uh, very quick 2024 presidential election news, before we get to that, uh, over just the past few days, Donald Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, filed paperwork on Monday to launch his his own presidential campaign in Iowa this week, just over two years since the far-right base of Trump Republicans called for Mike Pence to be hanged. I'm sure it'll go well. Also, while we were gone, by the way, the DOJ said that they would not pursue Mike Pence's handling, uh, mishandling, I should say, of classified documents. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former uh, Trump ally turned Trump opponent, he will also announce his presidential campaign in New Hampshire this week. Also, though you probably never heard of him, I know I didn't, North Dakota's Republican Governor Doug Burgum is also set to toss his hat into the GOP ring this week. Meanwhile, Chris Sununu, New Hampshire's popular Republican governor and Trump opponent, has now said that he will not 
enter the 2024 race. Perhaps of greater concern to Democrats, at least, is news of a third-party run for the presidency announced on Monday by political activist and former Harvard University professor of public philosophy, Cornell West. He announced on Twitter that he has, quote, decided to run for truth and justice as a candidate for the People's Party. West is the latest black candidate to enter the 2024 race after Senator Tim Scott launched his Republican campaign last month. A Republican campaign, I would argue, is more for vice president than anything else. And also California radio host Larry Elder. He is apparently in the Republican race as well. I would argue uh, it's as much to uh, try to make money off of it than anything else. He was trounced recently, Larry Elder, in his run for governor in California. He joined the uh, GOP race in April. Who knew? Perhaps we'll get to uh, more details on some of those stories and more uh, more critical ones either later in the show or in certainly in the days ahead now that we are back off break. But as we have been on break over the past week, even as I have been attempting to look away from the incoming fire hose of news, uh, one story and really one story only has made me somewhat, somewhat miss being on air. And that is the story of the debt ceiling and more specifically how terribly it has been covered, frankly, by our corporate media and even, yes, many in the left leaning media, the left leaning press, all of whom, uh, as I've seen or, or most of whom have done a terrible disservice as I see it to the American people and how they have reported on what has actually happened over the past week or so specifically. Just before we left uh, for our break, I tried to explain what was only then suddenly emerging. This was uh, about a week and a half ago now. Suddenly emerging as Joe Biden's frankly, wicker, wickedly clever negotiating strategy. As a matter of fact, it seems so wickedly clever that it couldn't possibly be true. It couldn't possibly be happening. It seemed too good to be true. But actually, now it appears that, yes, it was in fact true. And while we were busy uh, calling on him uh, for the past weeks and months, in fact, calling on him to do things like declare the debt ceiling to be unconstitutional under the 14th Amendment, and we couldn't understand why, you know, after months of the White House vowing not to negotiate over the debt ceiling, suddenly they seemed to be doing so. And why was he hemming and hawing about whether he would invoke the 14th Amendment or not? Well, while that was happening, he and his top negotiator, apparently, Steve Reschetti, had apparently already figured out how to play House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his GOP caucus for chumps. And that is the strategy that ended up winning the day. And frankly, I will argue, you may disagree if you like, I will argue that that was a better strategy than the one that I had about invoking the 14th. The coverage of what actually happened, however, has been so poor over the past week or two that it both drove me a bit nuts to not be on air as it played out, but also leaves me, even today, needing to go to foreign media to find a spot-on description of what I believe actually happened here. This via the British Observer columnist Will Hutton at the 
uh, at, at uh, the UK Guardian on Sunday. It is easy to write off President Joe Biden as a senile 80-year-old duffer, writes Hutton. Yet he is already being regarded by many Democrats and some Republicans as significant a Democratic president as Franklin Roosevelt or Lyndon Johnson. He is dramatically changing the face of the U.S., around democratic priorities, reindustrialization to support blue-collar jobs and wages, wholeheartedly fighting climate change, investing massively in science and education, doing more for the poorest and not least, rejuvenating the U.S. decaying public infrastructure. But unlike his famous predecessors, Hutton writes, he has never had the, their big majorities in Congress. And after November's midterm elections, he does not even control the House of Representatives anymore. He's had to rely on guile, sheer political craft, and reading the Washington runes better than anyone alive. For the last few months, we were being warned of financial Armageddon as an implacable Republican Party forced the U.S. to default on its debts only to be avoided if the administration agreed to its demands for severe public spending cuts to avoid going through an artificial debt ceiling limit. Monday was to be the witching day when a default occurred and a financial, and a financial crisis engulfed the world. Instead, last week, the wily Biden again outfoxed his opponents and struck a deal massively weighted in his favor— that was voted for by overwhelming majorities in both chambers of Congress. It was an extraordinary victory, writes Will Hutton, and when invited to claim it as such, Biden replied, quote, You think that's going to help me get it passed? First rule in Washington, says Hutton, in Washington politics, from which the affable Biden has never deviated, always allow the defeated to save face because you're soon going to have to cut another deal with them. Now, that may be the rule in Washington politics, but it ain't the rule here. Joe Biden defeated Kevin McCarthy uh, in this in these negotiations, McCarthy and the far right Republicans, and he beat them badly, undermining them at their own game such that they didn't and uh, perhaps today still don't even know what hit them. But in case you don't know, because the U.S. media has been so maddeningly terrible at this, as have many in the left media, what hit them is that Joe Biden outfoxed them into giving up not one, not two, but three GOP-engineered fiscal cliffs over the next two years, all for the price of less than one. Incredibly today, again, because the U.S. media is so bad at this and they are so stuck on their both sidesism, many Americans, including many on the left, including both Democrats and progressives, are still unclear about what just happened and how hilariously trounced Joe Biden and his lead negotiator, Steve Reschetti, left the GOP in the supposed showdown. Back to Hutton in uh, Britain's Observer here. The ever more ideological U.S. right has been abandoning fiscal conservatism as a dead end for some time. He's right. It goes through the motions of blood-curdling threats to cuts in public spending, but it does not have the bottle to face the political consequences, the decimation of social programs beloved of its own base. And I share that part of Hutton's piece only because he has the bottle 
to correctly point out that Republicans are anything but fiscal conservatives at this point, no matter how much the U.S. media lazily continues to pretend that they are. And that, of course, suits the GOP just fine. Call them conservative. They like that name. They think it sells well. Even as falsely reporting them as conservatives ill serves the U.S. public. The media doesn't have to do it. I understand why the Republicans want to do it, but the media does not have to play along with it because it is simply an out-and-out fallacy. They are not conservative by any stretch of the imagination, not fiscally or anything else. Even if it's, you know, popular branding for the GOP, which otherwise stands for absolutely nothing at all, so they got to go with that. They stand for absolutely nothing other than an unquenchable thirst, apparently, for power and money at the cost of lives of tens, if not hundreds of millions of Americans and others around the world. None of this, you realize, makes Democrats into saints. And if you think that's my argument, well, pay closer attention. But it does help to define what at least one of our two major parties is about. Back to Hutton here on his central point uh, regarding Biden's remarkable political victory this past week. Biden's negotiating tactics were textbook, writes Hutton. Publicly, he took seriously the threats of Kevin McCarthy to cut four and a half trillion dollars of spending over a decade, talking up the threat and flying back early from the G7 summit to negotiate. Privately, he knew the Republican would back off. Cuts of that scale would, in fact, mean that social programs would be decimated, particularly given that so much federal spending is on defense, which the Republicans, of course, did not want to touch. Biden read the mood swing well. He knows his opponents better than they know themselves. Taking over the key negotiations himself, he forced realities home on McCarthy, who successfully scaled back his demand to a headline cuts figure of $1.5 trillion. But even that was vastly overstated because of a series of side deals that were made. Federal spending will now end up being reduced by just 0.2% over the next 10 years, while all the huge spending programs on computer chips and infrastructure and green climate investment that Biden has negotiated uh, over the past two years, all of that remains intact. Well, almost all of that. Hutton calls it a stunning victory. And he's right. And the fact that so many in the U.S. media, even today, do not seem to get that seems to me to be simply more of the same malpractice that the U.S. media has poisoned the American populace with for decades now. And that has landed us in this very place that we are now where we go just a few months between uh, fiscal cliffs that the GOP is threatening to throw us over unless they get their way. And again, this is not a matter of partisanship. I was not a Biden supporter, nor am I a Democrat. I am, however, a fan of demonstrable facts and reporting them to the American people so that they can be a well-informed electorate for the next time the opportunity comes around to cast their votes. It's our job to discern fact from fiction here on the broadcast and, frankly, here in the media, to disambiguate political rhetoric from reality, to educate the American electorate for good or bad about what is actually going on in their body politic, as opposed to what the so-called two sides would prefer that you believe. 
And to that end, Joe Biden, the so-called doddering, senile 80-year-old who's too senile to know up from down or avoid tripping over a sandbag left on the stage at a graduation ceremony, guess what? He outfoxed the super geniuses on the right and indeed... I'm afraid, too many on the left who even today would rather raise money and get clicks to their websites by playing along with the contrarian industrial complex to show how partisan they aren't by attacking Democrats for, yes, winning the day for the American people. And by the way, that works out just fine for Joe Biden. All of the progressives who are complaining about the deal, that works out very well. Everyone playing their kabuki theater roles. Now, none of this is to say that the cuts that Joe Biden ultimately agreed to are good for anyone. They are not. But they are all far less, far less terrible than they could have been and frankly would have been had Joe Biden taken the advice of people including people like me, when we advise he should simply ignore the Republicans and, and the dumb, almost certainly unconstitutional statutory debt limit by simply inciting the, uh, uh, simply citing the, the 14th Amendment's declaration that the validity of the public debt authorized by law shall not be questioned and simply ordered the Treasury Department to continue paying our bills and let someone sue to stop him. Had he chosen to just violate one law and then continued borrowing uh, in order to avoid breaking dozens of laws that mandate that our bills must be paid on time, that's what I was calling for. I was wrong. Joe Biden had a better idea. Now, I believe there's little question that the 14th Amendment makes the debt ceiling completely unconstitutional. However, there is a question about whether the wildly corrupted U.S. Supreme Court would have deemed it as such. And in any event, Biden's ultimate deal actually allows him to challenge the constitutionality of the debt ceiling at a moment when a miscalculation would not help tank the nation and the global economy. In the meantime, he was able to take not one GOP-manufactured fiscal cliff off the table, but three of them in one fell swoop their threat to force the U.S. into a first-ever default this week and again next year since, Biden, uh, since the Biden deal suspends the debt ceiling until 2025, notably after the next presidential election, well, that's become impossible. They can no longer use that as a tool, at least not this year, at least not uh, next year. And in addition to that, it includes, in, includes measures, and this is perhaps the most noteworthy point, measures that sidesteps a government shutdown this fall, when a budget deal must be passed by October 1, or guess what? The government will shut down. And what Joe Biden knew, and perhaps I had not fully appreciated, is that Republicans are not afraid of a government shutdown. Over a budget legislation standoff, they do it all the time. How many times have they done that before? And while it hurts the American people and even their beloved stock market for a while, it always ends with most Americans, at least those who had missed payments, salaries, government officials, uh, uh, armed forces, military and so forth, they're, they're all made whole. Republicans can survive a government shutdown over a budget battle but they had no idea what would happen if the U.S. defaulted on its debts for the first time ever.
And thus, Biden not taking that possibility off the table, the idea that we could default, as many of us had wanted him to do, he was able to use that as leverage over Republicans to get a far better deal on this October's budget negotiations than he would have had he waited until this fall to negotiate anew with Republicans desperate to tank the economy just ahead of next year's presidential elections. Yes, it was the avoidance of three fiscal cliffs, three GOP-forced collapses for the price of less than the one that he would have had to endure in order to strike a deal later this year with a Republican Party who at that point would have no fear of, you know, what killing their economic hostage at that point would have cost the nation and its economy. Joe Biden got a commitment to avoid two debt limit fights and a government shutdown for the cost of likely much less than he'd have had to given up to avoid a government shutdown this fall which the GOP did not fear because they'd done it many times with little or no controversy or at least no cost to them. And, by the way, Joe Biden can now separately get a court ruling on the 14th Amendment without the fear of a corrupt decision resulting in an immediate financial disaster for the nation and the world. Win, 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 win. Republicans wanted about an 18 percent cut in federal spending, or at least they pretended to. At least that was the bill they passed in the U.S. House as per their limit, save, grow bill or whatever it was called. And guess what? They got less than one percent cut in the bargain. The GOP got played and they got played hard. Now, you might feel differently about this, and I hope you do. Because I would love to hear from you if so. You might think I'm missing something here. You, after all, were not necessarily on vacation last week as I was. Perhaps you learned something that I didn't, so I'd love to hear from you. Something you think I, I missed or, or I'm ignoring or I'm downplaying or I'm not understanding. I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. How am I wrong about all of this? What am I missing? We can get into some of the details of what the agreement eventually uh, was, if you like, but I'd love to hear from you first. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, you know, none of the cuts, as I said, are good. Let me make that clear. I'm not in favor of these cuts, but they would have been far worse had he listened to me and to other progressives who told him to simply ignore the debt ceiling and just keep paying the bills because the debt ceiling is unconstitutional, which it probably is, and then keep the budget negotiations for later this year, keep those still on the table, along with the uncertainty of how the entirely corrupted U.S. Supreme Court majority might have ultimately ruled if a challenge on the 14th Amendment had ever reached them, as it almost certainly would have. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. The big question, of course, for critics from the left of Biden's deal is what they think Biden wouldn't have had to give away had he successfully invoked the 14th Amendment now and then faced a government shutdown by an intransigent Republican Party willing to shut down the government 
perhaps for months on end if they felt they wanted to by the time the fiscal uh, year ends in October. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let's take a quick uh, quick break here. We'll come back with some of your calls if you wish. I got some other news as well, but I would love to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. My email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. I'm Brad Friedman. We'll be back. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All I do is win, 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 no matter what Got money on my mind, I can never get enough And every time I step up in the building Everybody hands go up And they stay there Yes, they do Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com Joe Biden uh, would have every right uh, to be singing all he ever does is win, 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 at least in my opinion, at least after the uh, uh, debt default deal that he was able to essentially outfox the Republicans into signing on to, at least in my opinion. You may feel differently. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Matt in San Luis Obispo. Hey, Matt. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I must say your point has me a little bit torn. You know, I can hear the delay on my phone. I don't know if you can hear that, too, but uh, anyhow. It's okay. Go ahead. It Okay, good. I just want to make sure you didn't hear. Yeah, so I was, you know, <clears throat> the, the fact, you know, if he had chose with the Fourth Am- 14th Amendment way, uh, yes, there would have been a lot of pain in the present, Um removed but you know i do get your point about it would it could only rile up the other side even more well listen it would have taken away the leverage that he had because remember republicans feared at any moment uh joe biden could have invoked the 14th he could have done it today if they didn't get to a deal he could have said you know what the hell with this the debt ceiling is unconstitutional. I am going to order the Treasury to continue paying our bills that uh, Congress has mandated that we pay. And that's that. And if you have a problem with that, you can take it to court. Now, how? Uh, who would actually have had standing to sue? That's another matter. But the fact is, Republicans knew this whole time that Joe Biden could have pulled the rug out from under them. Had he instead gone, uh, you know, declared that right away, well, we could have got the corrupt Supreme Court who said, uh, nope, uh, it's not unconstitutional, or they could have put it on hold or anything else. Uh, Or they could have even said, yeah, we agree, it is unconstitutional. Well, guess what? If it's unconstitutional, then that means the Republicans put all of their money into the budget negotiation this uh, October, and they have no reason whatsoever to give in on anything if they don't want to. But couldn't they have approached it from the end of, well, 
you know, Republicans are supposed to be all about the Constitution. Say, well, you're 100% Constitution, yes? Uh-huh. Okay, well, what about this? Do you want to strike this portion of the 14th Amendment? Look, Matt, is, it, is this not valid? It, it, it doesn't matter. Even if you had the Republicans agree, yeah, it is unconstitutional. So you take that off the table. Now they can't uh, use the, the, the debt ceiling anymore to crash the economy, but they still have budget negotiations this October for the new fiscal year. And as we have seen, whenever there is a Democrat in the in the White House now, going all the way back at least to Clinton, Republicans have no problem whatsoever shutting the government down until they get anything and everything they want. And in a year before an election, do you think that would have been good for anyone? (laughs) So I see your point. Thank you. I I appreciate, uh, you know, putting a a different lens on it. Well, it's the correct lens. Thanks for that call, Matt. Good to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. I'll get back to some of your calls in a moment. But even the uh, Republicans, even the Republicans understood that they had been played. Uh, At least those on the far right. Here is uh, just just some of them responding to this deal that their own House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, uh, struck last week with the president. This deal fails, fails completely. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. It is a bad deal. This deal is absolutely one of the biggest abominations since I've been in Washington, D.C. What did Republicans get? I can't answer that. McCarthy-Biden proposal doesn't stop or even slow down deficit spending. This bill is un-American. It defies conservatism. Tomorrow's bill hands Biden a blank check. This bill keeps all of Joe Biden's policy, all of Joe Biden's spending, intact. No Republican should vote to validate, affirm, and own Biden's agenda. And that's what this bill does. So, yeah, Republicans were not all that happy about that deal, at least those in the uh, so-called Freedom Caucus. That's what they call themselves. Uh, They didn't like it. Now, there were a bunch of folks on the progressive left who also didn't like it. And as I said in the past segment, uh, that worked out well for Joe Biden. Uh, David Sirota, today, our friend, uh, a progressive friend from Lever News, says he's critical of President Biden for, quote, celebrating a debt deal that crushes the poor, boosts fossil fuel production and enriches military contractors. Well, uh, frankly, pretty much all of that was all in place before this debt deal. Now, you may feel differently about it. If so. I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-KPFK. Desi Doyne, I know that there are uh, a few things you don't care. I mean, well, there's a lot of things that none of us like in this particular oh, bill. <laughs> it's not about liking the bill, but it's about knowing how it compares to what it would have been had Biden not outfoxed uh, uh, the Republicans and basically taken all three of these fiscal shutdowns, uh, the debt default now, the budget agreement in uh, the fall, and another debt default next year, had he not taken all of those off the table with this one deal. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree that this uh, comes at a steep cost. It's uh, it's not great. These are not fantastic concessions that he's made. Um, I, you know, and I, and I wish that they were not necessary. It does seem 
seem like these are better than what could have been yes. had there had been uh, budget yes. negotiations in October under the threat of a government shutdown when Biden would have been the one with all of the pressure to avoid the shutdown and Republicans would have been, yeah, okay, yeah, well, we're fine with a government shutdown. We've got all the leverage. So in this case, like you said, he's diffused, Biden has diffused three bombs that were yep. upcoming. But, you know, it's, it is not a great cost. Uh, the the, the uh, It was of, less bad than it would would have been. And, and, I, and I challenge anyone to tell me uh, that it wasn't. 818-985-KPFK. For example, the approval of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, yeah. that was, you know, that pipeline payoff for uh, Senator Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was also part of a deal that they had yes. already struck. Yes. You know, in exchange for Joe Manchin uh, casting the deciding vote to pass the Landmark Inflation Reduction Act and all of the climate and clean energy yep. policies and incentives, billions of dollars that we have seen flowing into U.S. domestic manufacturing. It's something like, uh, it's upwards of $45 billion mm-hmm. in new manufacturing that's both been announced and is now underway and in, under construction. And there's even more down uh, coming in the pipeline. Um, so, you know, these are... These are huge trade-offs, and I really cannot. I really hate that the Mountain Valley Pipeline well, personally but I understand. is passed. I, I and, hate it too, but, but it's look, also passed without judicial review, which is, you know, another really troubling, disturbing aspect. Okay, of well, it. let me undisturb you just a little <laughs> bit, Desi Doyen. I hear you. I'm with you. But again, that was not this deal. That was done in order to get four hundred billion dollars uh, for climate mitigation, yes. climate change. Last year, by the Democrats, that was the cost of getting Joe Biden's vote. So Joe Manchin's uh, vote. Uh, Joe Manchin's vote. So for those progressives who are upset about that, about the Mountain Valley pipeline that has now, uh, as part of this, is is being approved without a proper review, uh, environmental review for on behalf of uh, Joe Manchin. Yeah, I don't like it either. But that's not even really part of this deal. That was already made uh, a, a part of the deal in order to get the. Inflation Reduction Act passed last year and the landmark $400 billion for our climate. 818-985-5735. I really do want to hear what I am missing and what I am wrong about. Don't worry, I won't bite. Let's go to uh, Al in uh, one of my favorite places in the world, Idlewild, California. Hey, Al, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, how you doing? I hope you don't get mad at me. I'm going to bite you a little bit. All right. you know, the pipeline that's going through, well, you can just negate any uh, uh, promises or any pluses that would go through as far as car- carbon reduction. You can't have it both ways. And the other thing is... Hang on. I hang on, Al, Al. Hang on. Hang on. And we'll go on to your other thing in a second. But uh, okay. you can't have it both ways. Actually, you can. One pipeline from West Virginia to Virginia versus $400 billion in uh, climate change mitigation over the next 10 years. If that's the cost of that, I I think it's a no-brainer. You you take the pipeline, you suck it up as much as I hate to, um, but that's the cost. And again, it wasn't part of this debt deal. That was a deal that was done long ago. Okay. And the other question is, how come you think Garland Nixon is a Russian bot? Thanks a lot. Well, do you want the answer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think that he's a Russian bot. Uh, and and I, I don't want to go into detail here because most people don't even know who he is. He's got a show on this uh, on this station. But I will tell you that 
what I know is that he works for Russian media. He gets paid for them. He broadcasts three hours a day on uh, on uh, uh, Sputnik Radio. And even that I don't have a problem with. The fact that, that he doesn't disclose it I think is a huge problem that he's working for an agency that uh, has, uh, you know, is, is sign- has signed the Foreign Agency Registration Act. And he doesn't uh, disclose that when he's on air. I believe in transparency. That's the answer, Al. Okay. Got it? Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You don't bite too hard. All right, Take thanks, care. brother. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, let me go to Ed in Redondo. And I want to hear from some women. We always get all the dudes come in right off the bat, other than Desi Doyen. But how about some women calling 818-985-KPFK? Not that there's anything wrong with Ed in Redondo Beach. Hey, Ed, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Uh, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, so, and, and, I, and by the way, I also go ahead and mirror your statement about we need more women um, being um, calling in and being selected to have comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but in terms of what you've been saying regarding the debt ceiling, I find your idea is very convincing. My only concern is, is should we be talking about this on the air? <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more the Republicans are going to realize that they did very poorly. Yes. And um, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be so so um, so loud about well, it. Well, listen, that, that point, the, the point that you make is one that I, I'm sure that Joe Biden understands because that was, you know, when he was asked about this, he would say, well, you know, I'm not going to crow about it. Do you think that's going to help me win votes? Here's the good news. A, it has already passed. It has already been signed by the president. Uh, B, it is not my job, uh, to, you know, to run policy for the White House, for any political parties or anyone else. It's to let people know what happened here. And... Uh, I think they need to understand what happened here because I've seen a lot of stuff and nonsense. Biden caved. Biden caved. How did he cave? He got a deal that even I couldn't figure out until he you know, made it happen. So, yeah, we do need to talk about it. We do need to uh, recognize him for the accomplishment that he made and many of his other accomplishments that no one that I would have never thought he would have made. Four hundred billion dollars for the climate. Uh, I mean, I could go through the the, the list. Um, you know, we need to call it out as it is. And uh, as far as keeping it quiet, I hear you. Uh, but that's not my role. That might be the White House's role. They were keeping it quiet. They have not taken a victory lap. They are not spiking the ball, which is why it's all the more important, I believe, for those of us in the media to tell America what actually happened here. And, and, and so my, my follow-up question, or basically the same question, is maybe maybe we shouldn't be talking about this so much now. Maybe we should have been talking. Maybe we should be talking about this closer to the next presidential election. <laughs> uh, America, America, public's um, memory mm-hmm. is a, is very short, and uh, maybe they need to be informed right before it. But, but I, I hear what you're saying. It's your job to inf- to get information out there. It's not your job to go ahead and play strategy for the White House. Correct. Thanks so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. I really appreciate your call, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. And hooray, if Janine turns out to not be a dude calling from Long Beach, I'll be happy about it. Hey, Janine, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. There you go. Uh, I I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, uh, Just to add to the discussion, I think we 
we have to stop saying climate change as though it's something. Actually, what's happening? I love it. Janine, Janine, I need you to get a little closer to the phone. I think you said, "I think we need to stop saying climate change." Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Because in all government and others are actually changing the climate through geoengineering. Mm. And it's going deliberately, and it amounts to war and destruction. Okay. Well, I don't believe that. All right, Janine, let me respond to you there. Uh, I don't believe that climate change is being done uh, purposely by governments through geoengineering unless you consider, you know, drilling for massive oil and gas to be uh, geoengineering and doing it despite realizing the dangers. Then I uh, then I uh, I'm with you. But uh, happening in the It's not (laughs) to delivery system. That are very sophisticated. So, no, I'm oh. not talking about pollution, which can certainly cause some problems. But I'm afraid that if we don't start talking directly about what's really going on, yeah. we're going to end up in a real dead end. All right, Janine, Janine, I I do appreciate that call, and I wish I was able to continue it with you, but it's really, really hard to hear you. I I wouldn't let you go, except it's very hard to hear you, and I think you're suggesting that climate change is not what scientists have shown it to be. Let's go to Charles in oh, 818-985-KPFK. You can also tweet me. I am the Brad blog and email bradcast at bradblog.com. Let me go to Charles in Tarzana. Hey, Charles, welcome to the Bradcast. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. What, I, what I'm noticing is every time the Republicans get in office, they start begging for money instead of what? Go all the way back to Vietnam. I am a Vietnam, I'm a Vietnam era vet. Mm-hmm. That was under Eisenhower. Yeah. If you come up to Reagan, Reagan said it's five wars, and look at the money that they charge for that. Baby Bush starts the Iraq war. He borrows from Social Security. Borrow means pay it back. He's never paid it back. So I'm looking at why is it that these, these Republicans are always begging for money, and then they never pay it back. Well, they're not going to pay it back. And to be fair, it's not just the Republicans. Both Republicans and Democrats alike seem to have no problem, no compunction whatsoever in uh, spending huge amounts of money on war, on so-called defense. And in fact, this budget deal, one of the uh, several things that it takes off the uh, off the ledger as far as, uh, you know, cuts go, is the defense spending, is the Pentagon. They're going to get something like $800 billion out of this deal, which is exactly what Joe Biden wanted in the first place. So here's what they do. They, uh, you know, spend all kinds of money that is borrowed money. They do it whether they're in office uh, or in control or not in control. Talking about Republicans. Democrats do it whether they're in the majority or not in the majority. When it comes to that, they don't care. The difference is Republicans turn around and pretend that our problem is too much government spending after they have just spent uh, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, on a on a military that doesn't need anywhere near that kind of, of spending. Does that speak to your question, Charles? Okay, okay. One other point is that when when Trump came into office, he gave the billionaires 
$1.3 trillion. Yep. I did not understand that. Will not understand it. It does not hold true. Yeah. It, because, uh, and he did do that, and it's because Republicans pretend they're concerned about debts and deficits, and they are not. They are lying. Otherwise, if they were concerned about debt and deficit, then yes, of course, they would have restored the Trump tax cuts uh, that you know robbed the Treasury of, of, of trillions of dollars over the next 10 years. They are liars, the Republicans. They don't care about debt. They don't care about spending. They care, as I said in the previous segment, about retaining power and making money. End of story. I wish I could say that there was some clever strategy, that they had some sort of beliefs, uh, some sort of political beliefs that I simply disagree with. They don't. This is not about a political difference. This is about one party lying to the American people and, uh, you know, costing trillions of dollars in not just uh, uh, blood, uh, treasure, but blood as well. Right. Thank you very much. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate the call. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to, uh, and, and by the way, you know, I told I, I premised this segment, Desi Doyen, on if you disagree with me, give me a call. How am I wrong? And <laughs> I'm not I'm not keeping anyone out of this conversation. This is true. If you if you disagree with me, if you want to tell me I'm all wet, if you want to tell me why, I would love to hear from you. As I said, I will not bite as long as we can have a conversation about it. Eight one eight. And you're having lots of civil <clears throat> conversations about it. So there you go. I'm the Joe Biden of my time. Eight one eight nine eight five. KPFK. Let's go to Val in uh, Sherman Oaks. Hey, Val, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Yeah, I just want to tell you, Brad, you're wrong because finally <laughs> Democrats are lying. I mean, it's, a, it's all a farce. It's all a theater, right? So really, you should be talking about how badly Biden was beaten by the superior intelli- intelligence of the Republicans. That way we can, you know, we can do things like call abortion a different name and just be like, oh, you guys beat us. You know, oh, darn. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not that hard to trick them. And, and all we need to do, it's a performance. And then, by the way, why do we even need representative, you know, government? Like, we're not on, uh-huh. you know, horses anymore. We can actually probably just handle actually getting stuff done ourselves and place all of the boomers into a deep fake. <laughs> so, <laughs> I see. So, uh, so we should, so I should, well, how I should respond. You're, wrong, you're not agreeing. <clears throat> the reason you're wrong about it being a, a bad, uh, I mean, a good deal yeah. instead of a bad deal is because um, even Biden is basically publicly saying it was a bad deal. Like he was beaten. And, that, and he's fi- finally, finally, you know, just, like just change the word for socialism, things like this. All we have to do is just start lying like the Republicans so we can actually get some things done. It's just the theater. Okay. No, I no, I got you, Val. And let, let, let me play my part. Let me play my part here. So what you're saying is I'm totally wrong about this. In fact, the Republicans yeah. got a great deal. That old doddering uh, uh, yeah. Joe Biden was snookered again. Can't what even put his pants you. on. What a dope. Uh, boy, yeah, they played absolutely. him, and they should keep and doing more right. of this. We were, yeah. We're all wrong, all right. and, and we're going to pay for our, you know, our sins. Yeah. And, yes, and, and and in the end, they're right. Yeah, and we're all wrong. Right. All right, thanks, thanks for that, <laughs> thanks for that advice, Val. I will take it under consideration. Good to hear from you. All right, thank you. Thank you. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Jesse writes me via email at broadcast uh, via broadcast at bradblog.com. Subject line: British buddy. 
uh, he writes, uh, Hi, Brad. Welcome back. I would love to have that British journalist's name and info again. We'll check him out for a look. Peace, Jesse. Uh, I believe he's referring to Will Hutton, who I cited, a uh, longtime observer columnist, in this case, uh, published by the UK Guardian. That's Will Hutton. And the headline, by the way, of that piece that I was reading from is, So what if Biden trips up on the political stage? His footwork is the fanciest seen in decades. Very British. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Margot in Montebello. Hey, Margot, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Well, here I have that. I think that there would be so much money saved, they probably wouldn't even be a debt. It's a budget that's totally unaudited that goes to what you call the War Department, but mm. now it's called defense, yeah. would be... And I know there's some people who disagree with spending more on it. And I believe that we need to focus on life and peace. And if you go to worldbeyondwar.org, mm-hmm. you can get information about 3%, 4% of what the U.S. spends on so-called defense could end starvation in the world. Yeah. So it certainly helps to do a little bit of ending the budget deficit and the, you know, whatever there is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Margot. I appreciate it. Your phone is also a little bit hard to hear, but uh, you were pointing folks to worldbeyondwar.org. And the point uh, you're making is certainly an apt one, that the Pentagon spending is so huge, so much money has been spent on them, that they cannot even be credibly audited, which is uh, shameful, simply shameful for this country. Thanks, Margo. I appreciate the call. Uh, Let me see if I can get in a couple of quick uh, ones before we get to the top of the hour here. Jamal in New Jersey. Hey, Jamal, where are you in New Jersey? Hello. Yeah. Hey, Jamal, what exit? Jamal, you're on the air, sir. Yeah, you're there. Go. Okay. All right. So my thing is that I believe that the Democratic Party could have, well, from what I'm hearing, they could have raised the debt ceiling while they were still in power. Yeah. And then avoided this whole fiasco, like, last minute, Mm -hmm. giving away the store, like they always do under a Democratic administration, like Obama did. And, like, you know. Yeah. Basically, given... So that's my yeah. No, I hear you, uh, Jamal. Good question. I know that a lot of people have made that point. Here's the deal. You're saying that they should have just uh, voted to do away with this dumb, likely unconstitutional debt ceiling law when they still have majorities in both houses. Uh, before uh, January of this year. Great point, except one little problem. Uh, well, a few problems, but the top well, one no, is. The problem was they don't have. They don't have. They don't have consensus even in the Democratic Party. No, no. Well, that's right. They didn't. They, uh, not only was Joe Manchin against it, but remember, you got the filibuster. So you would have had to also come up with 10 Republicans who were willing to take uh, the debt ceiling off the table. So it's not like they didn't do it when they had the chance. They didn't have the chance, as far as I can tell, Jamal. But and also, Joe Biden didn't want to cut public services. I mean, he talked about it vehemently in the 90s. Got much videotape out there where he said he wanted to do the grand bargain like Obama wanted to do the grand bargain, but the Republicans wouldn't do it under Obama because they wanted to have they wouldn't didn't want to give them credit for cutting Social Security and all those other things. Yeah, well, 
that was Joe Biden in the 90s. That was one of the reasons why I was not a Joe Biden supporter. As it turns out, Joe Biden in the 2020s uh, has uh, increased spending for all sorts of public initiatives that are critically important. And uh, frankly, thank God that he has. Should we judge him on that or what he said in the 90s, Jamal? Well, most of his program, most of the things that he promised when he was running, he he, he has bailed on, including the, uh, the student loan thing. He could have did it in a different way. And um, he declared twenty thousand. He declared uh, twenty up to twenty thousand yeah, dollars on student loans. From it if it goes through, but you know, right now it's gone through. It's gone through. But the corrupt, but the corrupt, hang on, hang on, hang on, Jamal. The corrupt Supreme Court has put it on hold and they may kill it entirely uh, in in a couple of weeks. But Joe Biden did his part. Well, I heard it was other ways he could have went at that, too. But, you know, we we split the hairs now. I just don't think that I think the Democrats and the Republicans both love basically taking stuff from the us working class people and giving it to the rich folks, their donor, the donor class. And so I don't think it's that much. I mean, the Republican Party is vehemently fascist outwardly. And I think the Democratic Party doesn't want to give anything to the working folks either. I hear you, Jamal. Thanks for that call. Thank you for that call, Jamal. I got to get out because top of the hour here. My apologies for that. Good call. Please give us a call back uh, in the future. Uh, Do we have time? Mo is good with 10 seconds. Give it to us, Mo in Long Beach. Papa Joe is a hero. Joe Biden is a hero. He's the only American that could beat back fascism. Nobody else could have did it but Papa Joe. All right. Thank you, Mo. I appreciate that. And thanks to all of you uh, who uh, got in or tried to get in. It's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can always download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator today, Wendell Handy. Thank you, sir. Uh, And to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. As I said, missed any portion of today's show, download it for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, I am The Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com/donate.